So you know, they we, could adopt different well, mentalities. Now they now he just does garlic and broccoli. That's that was that was the Bosnian rainbow space. Man. I know, that but big, that was just like a weird when this thing. music was made. Actually, so that could technically be exactly what he's talking about right here. Like, you I, know, I, for a face, he was eating nothing but broccoli, broccoli for like. Or some shit. They were doing that for their third diet in the Bosnian Rainbow's house. And they thought it was like really... Went. They must have been farting up a cosmic storm. <laughs> like, it just must have stank like butt in that house. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So oh, where were you going with that? I... <laughs> They're connected to the nether. I mean, yeah, I get that. The collective unconscious and stuff. So are they talking to the aliens that are like... The, um, <laughs> the blue people, or whatever the fuck they're called, the they're those immortal Nordics. They're, they're, they're called Greys. Well, even caffeine can get you there, like like you said. I took I took Adderall last year for a few weeks, and then I stopped because it drains your dopamine. And then I took caffeine instead, and caffeine gets you probably ninety percent there. So you don't really need the hardcore drugs. What do you do for yeah. the other ten percent, though, man? The other ten percent, you do weed. You, you smoke weed or you, you exercise an hour on the bike. Yeah, that, definitely. I hear you. Sip a coffee, get on the exercise bike or the real bike, and you're set. It's chi. Yeah, you're all good. Enway. So no, not Enway. The other one. Where you going? Ascension. get started uh, <laughs> oh wait you should introduce who well, I, I told I'm you enough about him right I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that I'm working on it I'm working okay. on it okay. hey everyone this is uh, music talk for riffandrock.com uh, this is part 7 didn't think we we're gonna have a part 7 but now we do have a part 7 of the Omarathon where we review every one of our new albums that he's been releasing since 2016. Uh, we had wrapped up the last set with Nom de Guerre, Cabal, and a Lovejoy, and we kind of went, hey, that, that means we're done, right? Just kidding. 12 more albums are in the pipeline. Hello. We're going to discuss... Nom de Guerre, Cabal, and Some Need It Lonely. Yes. What Don't get confused this early. It's too early to get confused. Yeah. I don't even... I oh geez, there's so many albums. That's probably there's so many albums. But so we're here to talk a Lovejoy and Roman Lips. But I want to introduce my my co-host with me tonight. Obviously, we got Armando Alvarez. Uh, how you doing, Armando? Chilling. Oh, Engrams just came out. But ding. We'll, we'll get. We'll do plugs. We'll do plugs. We'll do plugs. Um, and then we have a special guest. Uh, the 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 writer director, if I'm not mistaken, uh, of Amy in in a Cage. You can check it out on Amazon. Uh, Huru Jackson. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Thanks. So, thanks for joining us. Uh, Armando tells me you're a pretty big Omar Mars Volta fan yourself, so I'm sure this would be an exciting discussion for you as well. <clears throat> we got we got into. I got into this at 2000, well, 1999, the relationship of command. Then 2006, we talked on the coma. Hmm. Yeah, well, well, I remember, I could tell a story about your appearance, but I'd like Hello. to hear what, your, what yours was like. So <laughs> okay. I'm, not, I'm not sure if, if this is relevant, but they released new at the drive-in. They they brought mm-hmm. out. Have you guys talked about those new ones? No, we haven't mentioned it yet. It's Not called yet. Inter Alia, which means among other things. And Cedric tweeted something going at ORL Projects at Mars Volta, and 
with the definition of the thing there. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, May yeah. May fifth, there'll be the new album. We got two singles as as well. So it's it's a weird time to to be a fan. I mean, who'd have thought seventeen seventeen years later we get a new album dropping? Well, there's some grumbles. You see, there's mm-hmm. there's grumbles if you go on the YouTube comments of these you know at the drive-in. There's groups of fans and they're being like. This we want Mars Falta back. We want Omar back. This isn't classic at the drive-in. But what they've got to understand is that these musical outfits, these avatars, these vessels, they can tap into it. They can literally tap into these groups at any point in their lifetime. They could be 80 years old and suddenly summon the at the drive-in name and then <laughs> suddenly be rocking out songs. There's, there's awesome. some kind of uh, mental projection going with how these artists work, if that makes sense. I mean, if you've yeah. seen if you've seen how the Rolling Stones play at their age, there is no doubt that we could have eighty year old Omar and Cedric shaking it, <laughs> like doing drunk ship of lanterns at eighty years old, just doing the shit. Totally shimmies. like the same exact moves, man, selling it. You'd be like, <laughs> it'll be just as good. It'll be just it's just like. Omar, Omar's gray afro flowing in the winds. And longer than you've ever seen before. It's just you just Stand like it's just, it just like a giant ball of hair, and you just see like like cousin it from the Adams family. You just see two eyes and a guitar sticking out of them out of the mound of hair. Right, but but um, what, what's cool about this image that they can project every now and then? What I really wholeheartedly approve of this effort they're doing because a they're having fun and doing what they love, which is technically what they're doing might not be making the most extravagant, awesome, incredible music. What they're trying to do is reach new ears and show them the way, you know? Because you, you got to be honest, like, the music is geared more towards these kids that have been brainwashed on new metal their whole lives. Like, the fucking... Basically, look at it, 2001 was 16 years ago, right? So yeah. basically, you look at the year emo crowd these days are all... have literally been growing up in this fucking era. And... They, that's all they've heard. They've, that's all they've heard is that crap. So, you know, they're playing some music to try to reach out to these people. And you see all their posters and T-shirts have this phrase. Uh, I forgot the first word, but it's something like, uh, become yeah, become yourself through narcosynthesis. I was like, what the fuck, narcosynthesis? So I looked it up, and it means, uh, like, therapy through drug use. So there you go, full circle. You know, they're trying to, like, you know, it could be anything. It doesn't mean drug. It's, like, sort of... Uh, yeah, it's very it's very literal. Actually, it does mean that. So yeah, it's not a lot of music. Music is a drug. If you're taking mm-hmm. music, it's lighting up the synapses in the brain, the tunnels in the brain that connects you. Yeah, the For same sure. way that real drugs do. I like this quote. Uh, Alice Glass apparently is putting out some new music soon. She's like, you know, and sort of a similar topic is that these people. The artists have a voice, and it's not just the fact that they have one. It's just that when you have a voice that you can relate to and resonate with and share, and everyone can resonate and relate to and share, it's like you have this feeling of compassion and sympathy and understanding that everyone can uh, tell each other and and whatnot without having to, you know. So you can be like, oh yeah, I like that that famous actor or actress because they are outspoken about the environment. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> so, so shall we talk a love joy? Uh, yeah. I mean, did you listen yeah. to that one or just uh, Roman Lips? Yeah, I listened to them. 
Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, let's start in order. Yeah. So, A Love Joy is Omar's 39th solo studio album, excluding the <laughs> excluding the albums that are like trio or group or quartet. So, I think this is this is somewhere in the 40s. I think it's like album 44 or 45 total of his solo output. Uh, just totally bonkers to comprehend. Um, and this is the first one in the second the second set of Omar releases through Ipecac Records. Um, Sort of in the same vein as some of the stuff from the previous set, a lot of electronica, uh, much more heavy use of synthesizer versus uh, versus like traditional band. Um, you got some throwback song. You got you got uh, one song that's a redo of an octopus Kool Aid song. You got a lot of stuff that's just um, uh, plays off some of the stuff. Uh, like one, there's a song that's based off of one of the songs from Weekly Mansions. Uh, so. One of the challenges I had going into this album is that there is a sense of some retreading, rehashing of material that we've heard already. Uh, but I thought it was—I thought the instrumental tracks were actually really, really cool, really interesting. And then obviously we have that last track, Tlakapak. Tlakapak. I, I am not even going to attempt to say that correctly. Um, the twelve, almost thirteen minutes of sort of epic, almost sounds like Super Nintendo RPG music. I, I adored it. Uh, but that's so some quick first impressions. Armando, Huru, what do you think of a Lovejoy? <laughs> yeah, I'll go first. Uh, give you a taste of what it's like, Huru. All right, this is how we do it. I thought it was pretty cool. Okay, your turn. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> I really shit. Okay, so I every time I go to listen to this album, I kind of forget that it's kind of uh, um, sonically speaking, sort of his second electronic, uh, kind of dance party kind of album, if you will, electronic music, you know, because it's like, there's so much other weird artistic shit on here that I just look at that album art and I see this title and I'm like, mmm, press play and enjoy weird stuff, but then it's like, oh yeah, that's right. So it's like, you know, it's got like... The album art's very beats 80s. And stuff. It's got a very 80s album that's true. I love it. Yeah, I love the colors. It's very welcoming. The orange and teal. <laughs> uh, yeah, and just it has some incredible... It has a lot of those... Um, it's like it's definitely the, the sequel to, to Weekly Mansions because it's like ha- half the tracks are these like interludes that are kind of classical. And uh, they have those strings that are all keyboard samples, obviously. And there's, you know, in the next... Well, later on, we'll get to that, I guess. Which album is it? Oh, yeah, that's way later on. Jeez. I don't know. It's just, you know... A lot of dance tracks and a lot of weird, artsy, classical music stuff. That's a good mix, and it's the dancey tracks are a lot more experimental than the than the Weekly Mansions ones. So this is definitely his more like avant-garde electronica and the pack or Tarask plaque, if you will, if you know what a Tarask is. From like Dungeons and yeah. Dragons. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So yeah, that's just amazing. A lot of this stuff. Sounds like it would have been rough drafts and, you know, things that are just played out with, you know, and then they, you know, stuff he would have shown to Cedric and then, you know, expand on with things, with other instruments and vocals. Because we, we did hear some stuff like that on the leaks where you'd hear like a really stripped down version of songs with uh, like a click track and Cedric singing. And so some of this, you see a song title like, I bet he'd like that. And and I'm just like, okay. And you have this, this is like the first like Volta-esque track on here. And it's called Tlacopac, which is bit, like, you know, the first Volta-esque title, if you will. Everything else has been real, uh, maybe there have been a few other titles that you could see on a Volta album, but that's just like the epitome of that shit. It's 12 and a half minutes long. It's got some weird-ass grooves. It's almost entirely played on like one keyboard synth and the drums. And it's just like, I don't know, it sounds like this is 
uh, an artistic expression, sort of, of maybe I haven't been able to dissect the lyrics enough, but sort of an expression of their, uh, you know, when he got the news that <laughs> Cedric was pissed and wanted to break up Volta, and he's just like, "What? Huh? I, I, I was I was just making some art, and, <laughs> and it's just like, well, I guess I'll, I guess I'll just." drop this exactly where it is then and so you see it in this like kind of weird half finished state with plaque and pack there and i kind of like that it's just this real exposed raw you see like into his process a little bit maybe maybe not who the fuck knows all i can do is project but yeah so this was made during their breakup a lot of this stuff was made during 2013, basically, right? What was the time span given for the, any of this? I mean, we have to assume like the whole the whole stretch of these release, like the releases total, was like this, yeah. Well, total was like they said stuff from but from between 08 to 2013. Um, this was probably would fall in somewhere around the 2012 2013 era. Just was just in in light of some of the similarities it shares with other releases from that time frame. So, and that around, like, 2011, 2012, he was definitely getting way more into synthesizers and electronic-style music versus his more traditional guitar-based drum kind of music. And, like, you can tell by the Omar releases uh, were going strong up until 2012 or whatever. And when they say that some of these recordings are from 2008, it's kind of obvious where you have, like, Aranyas and whatever, where you have, like, these really old recordings. And it's like, oh, this is that this is that, uh, John Theodore recording. We were talking about that. Yeah. But otherwise, it's like most of this stuff is basically that right after Sergeant House or right at the end of Sergeant House. Some of these albums are basically those last three Sergeant House albums, but actually done up properly. So it's basically in that time period. Yeah. We have to kind of just guess at what's going on if you want to. So who would you you make of it? Yeah. What did you think (laughs) of a Lovejoy? So so Omar was in this and Nocturnicate was in this era as well. Yeah, or was was that a two thousand nine album that he? It was older material that he Marvel. said. Yeah, that was older material that Cedric had been sitting on. So I don't know when it was made, but it wasn't like you know that was released. Because all these, so. all, yeah, all these. If all these albums are in that era, it's almost like he he is uh, reliving the infinite parallel uh, stages of a single thought of this nocturnicate. Uh, uh, electronic uh, 80s almost uh, future uh, punk what is it future punk rock mm-hmm. which which was not turned it was great uh, for that exact reason that cedric is pretty much an eternal spirit from the 80s <laughs> as if a dimension yes. as if right as if the dimension uh, as if the 1980s was an eternal uh, universe cedric is the king of that era i thought he's kind of a classic michael jackson uh you know uh power pop uh, figure with his crazy hair and uh, the shoes and and cedric or omar calls cedric yeah exactly he calls him to the music it's almost a kind of mythology of, of uh, music. Yeah, he's the hero figure in Omar's Odyssey. Totally. Yeah, right? These artists, they have to... Uh, they're, they're confined by the era that... Where all, all artists are confined by how they grew... The era they grew up in and that most influenced them. And they almost have to relive it and cycle through. So he probably that's... That might be why he's trapped there, releasing all these albums for 2012, 2013... 
that he's kind of cycling through until they achieve the singularity of uh, their personal musical journey. That, that's so deep, because, I mean, not just to say that's so deep, but a lot of the argumenting has been about, like, oh, my God, these, like, worthless remix albums. Like, how dare they release an album every other week and they suck is literally a quote from the day. Like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what? Like... <laughs> Is it like so? So what if like the newest album? Just to like you have know, an idea of it is like basically Xenophanes, but entirely redone as like a lounge album, a low key like chill thing. And it's like people are really upset about that shit. It's like whatever. So what? Like you say, it's all the universal refinement of the self. Like that's all evolution is. It's it's interest. It's interesting in the sense that like. It'll be really fun once all this is done, the kind of playlist you can make of gluing all these different kind of things together and piecing them. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like there's going to be some – because there's some pretty creative minds there that will take some of this. And we've already seen some of it where people are taking the material and gluing it together in unique ways. So Yeah, people did Xenophanes with um, Ensayo, Dune, Desperacito on top of each other already. <laughs> so I – like, the one thing I, – I know it's not going to happen, but I think that would make – that would be amazing is to get some of the stems from like especially these electronic releases and just see the creativity of mashing the di- all the different kind of di- varying releases and makes making super cuts and so oh, you yeah, have, obviously have omar's and so i can i can understand people's frustration in the sense of they, it feels like he's releasing alternate versions of songs i mean you are getting new material but so i i get it in the sense but i think it'd be really cool also to see like how then people are interpreting the different takes and creating new unique ways because there's a lot of like repeating on similar themes which it, it is definitely makes it interesting it definitely it's it's you can look at it two ways you can look at it as like it's a, it's a creative way of going well here's one idea reimagined seven different ways or he's rehashing the same idea seven different ways and so i think it's kind of how do you go into how do you go into the material Well, there's a good example of it with these two albums. Ironically enough, we have Nobodies on a Lovejoy, and then Still Nobodies. We also have Still Not Breathing right before Nobodies on yep. a Lovejoy. So that's kind of interesting. I have interesting maybe relation there. But you have basically two, the same song on two albums, Still Nobodies and Nobodies, back-to-back. Uh, I'm curious, Hoover, which order did you hear these in first? Did you hear Roman Lips 1 first, or did you hear Lovejoy first? Yeah, I heard Roman Lips so yeah, I heard I, I was used to nobody's version. So what is what was that like for you hearing that out of nowhere, like this version of that song that you just heard? Did you recognize it? Yeah, I recognize it, and I thought that I don't know. I I wonder when I'm listening to these songs, I'm wondering yeah, Omar's process. It's like he's uh, how do I put it? Like he's not of this earth, you know. He's He's, he's living. Uh, if you if you look at the uh, there, there's a conspiracy known as the uh, quantum immortality, and the the re- the way that we've discovered this is that on the internet, if you allow me to go on a tangent, oh yeah, a lot of people as the internet expanded to be a, a huge billion generation, uh, billion population thing. Accounts kept popping up all throughout the internet that people had experiences where they died and something saved them. So they have a vision of moving through a tunnel and suddenly they wake up in uh, a situation before they died and they avoid the death. The quantum immortality. 
And what that posits is that is the parallel worlds that we have access to in periods of great trauma uh, or great, uh, uh, such as death even, that you can access these other worlds. And uh, it, it just seems that Omar is able to host all these possibilities, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, I get the I get the stuff about the life. It's stuff, kind of the, the, the artist as a shaman. You know, you know, uh, the artist as a shaman in uh, in ancient cultures. The uh, the the, the oh, schizophrenics, yeah. the damaged people, were great uh, philosophers, respected. And I guess that's the equivalent today of someone like Omar that's bringing these visions to reality oh yeah it's it's hard to talk uh, about specifics because uh to me these albums are so metaphysical i totally hear you dude like um i had this vision like i had been talking about earlier about wanting to make a music video and there's no way i would but i did think about it for a while of doing it to this song one of their most like 80s ish songs and it would be like this kid is like being bullied and he like falls off the fucking gym set or something and he like he like hits his back on the, on the on like the, the the a ramp or something, and so he's like laying there like half in a coma, and has a vision of Omar and Terry just kind of dancing godly with like tons of like hippie beads and like giant shades, and and the two of them don't notice the kid, but in reality they're like playing a concert somewhere, and Terry's doing her thing, you know, where she waves her arms around and stuff, but then but then Terry notices the kid in the alternate dimension, and she's like, we have to reach out. And and save this kid with the power of music, and they just rock out. You know, they play the end of the song, and uh, and dude, I think that's exactly what you're talking about in a different way of telling it. I that they inspire this sort of like <laughs> mutual <laughs> vision thing. Yeah, there you go. That summarized it. Too long, didn't pay attention. <laughs> I I always liked. Okay, maybe maybe I'm sounding dumb with this segue, but. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm not sorry. Did, did I feel like, and I, I, I feel like I'm operating on a. I feel like I'm operating on a lower level. <laughs> but I was just you kind of mentioned this music video thing, and every like both on Roman Lips and on Lovejoy, we have nobodies and still nobodies, and I always just imagine like it's the most '80s prom song over Omar's ever written. Like it sounds like a song they would play in an '80s film where they're dancing at prom, but like like with a bunch of mutants and like oh, monsters dance slow dancing together. But the still nobodies or nobodies, but both of them because they both have like that. Okay. Definitely, yeah. still nobodies more because there's like that big. It won't get to like that big pump and circumstance, but just like that, like with you and nobody else, and it just like blows up into like this big fantastical like everyone. Everyone's dancing and the disco balls flickering the lights, but like the Omar, the yeah, but like yeah, the Omar the prom is like the werewolves the are dancing with the vampires and the Kraken is dancing with Jesus and just like it's just like. <laughs> confetti and blood everywhere and like it's just total carnage but I'm like it's just it's a slow dance song it's cute like i could play that at my wedding it would be adorable i would say i think it's really beautiful to be honest i mean it's just like a real listenable like pop and 80s not, definitely song. and not to not to yeah. name circle it too much but it always like reminds me of like to me it almost sounds like the the love song you would like like the love song he wrote to terry because it's like saying like i wonder who it's like i always wonder who would give in first just like one of the lines 
And I'm like, I wonder, are they, like, were they sitting there recording Octopus Kool Aid with like mass sexual tension building up? They're just kind of like looking at each other, like not them because they're like really awkward, but like like some cute tension. They're just like giggling and making synthesizer noises, and then like they're wondering who's gonna give in first. And then like they finish the album, and then they they consummate the album, and then they write like a million songs about each other before they even start dating. Yeah, they're just like they're in a band together. Oh, they're writing all these songs. Is about is all about them. Just the tension of like not wanting to say that they like each other. Yeah, like. like... (laughs) There's there's gonna be a song that comes out later that's like, I like like you. Do you like like me? I like like you, and it's, I would love that. Oh would, my god! Can we can we talk about uh, the marriage song? Twan- <laughs> they go immediately to marriage from there. <laughs> They're just like <laughs> they kind of have like a quirky, cute awkwardness about them that I think is just it's endearing. It's definitely endearing. Oh yeah! Can we Did talk you see about the picture uh, somebody posted about that was like from some movie? Still, it's like an Amish couple. One of them has square glasses, and the lady's wearing like a farmer's oh, no, dress. Oh that's, that's just that's just a that's a still from Portlandia. That's just Fred Armisen oh, and Gary okay. Brownstein. <laughs> Uh, can, we, so funny. can we talk about uh, Tlokpak, Tlakepake? Um yeah. Like it's I said, it's a Mexican city. It is. It is a neighboring city to Guadala to, to the Guadalajara region, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I didn't think anything it, else about it. Sorry, it was. It's uh, like I said. It reminds me of like the final boss music for like a, a 16-bit Super Nintendo RPG. Like it has like a it has a very epic feel to it, but because the synths are so kind of Cheap is the lack lack of better expression. Cheap mm, sound. There's a whole debate we can have about this. I know, tone. I know, but like, it, and it, I think it comes down to recognizing it as whether it's a, a, a you you can hear it as a keyboard being played and be like that's a cool sound, or or you want to hear strings and you're blocked by the fact that it's a keyboard. Well, you know, I think that's really where it comes down to with a lot of songs that this whole series uses. Those. Because, but because how it sounds, it, I think it works because again, it, it it's all kind of has an artificial feel. So like to me, because I I used to be a very big video game player, like it reminds me of video game music and like you're fighting yeah. like, the thing it turns into the final dragon or whatever and you're fighting that and you're 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 low on okay, HP. Yeah, like, you can relate to like, it that way. Yeah. yeah, and so for me like it, it's it's again lack of better expression. Cheap sound, the synthy sound, like it it all works together. And I, I just, mean it kind of epitomizes the whole like nerdy prog rock thing. In a way, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also I, I miss like long Omar songs and like they have a thirteen minute yeah. little epic saga. And it's such a weird sure. groove. I love the groove. It's so groovy. Yes, it's it's like a very interesting time signature, or just pattern. I'm sure Nate would say D grooves hard as fuck, but he's not here, so I said it for him. <laughs> That's an inside joke. Yeah, did any track stand out to you on a uh, Love Joy, Huru? Well, I'm I'm listening to. To the song uh, Tia Tia Pack that you just yeah. spoke of, I agree. I think this sounds exactly like you said a boss boss music yeah, in, yeah. in Super Mario RPG or yes, something. Yes, and they uh, it, it it also it has this salsa flavor too, and that's so interesting that these these artists are merging. Yeah. They're even adding. They're merging Nintendo into their sound and their and their culture. If he's uh, if he's Mexican, then he, then he his music always had a salsa flavor to it, and and they even added Spanish language. Uh, I can't tell you how surreal it was in college in 
2005, I'm going to the store, and then uh, Mars Volta is playing on the radio, and then Cedric is wailing uh, Spanish. I think they're so. I think the Volta is so underrated culturally what they brought to the American airwaves, and they've never been appreciated in the, in those terms. I, I I mentioned this before, and I think that you touch on a really good point that like. Omar obviously wears this culture on his sleeve and his music, and I think it, and like it's so valuable to where you have a lot of bands that don't like provide that sort of cultural context, and that all their music, especially Omar, like as a solo artist, really screams at his his Latin heritage, his Latin culture, and it really is deep into the music. And I think that's always like even if it's more of this electronic style music, it's still there, and I think it always adds like a really nice extra layer to the to the sound that you're listening to. Yeah, even if it's someone else's culture, I really love when bands incorporate that. Like, you have an interesting parallel I don't think a lot of people notice between the Beatles and Tool, which is their main thing is American, popular American rock music, and then they go off and explore Indian music, essentially. You have African music, too, with Tool. They, They go a little bit more diverse, but they do still keep it very narrow, with that Eastern philosophy, with all the chakras, and and with the, merging it with the Western, where they bring up Jungian philosophy all the time. And I have no idea where I was going with that, but there you go. The Beatles and Tool are similar, and so therefore... <laughs> <laughs> you just had to bring up Tool again. Like, every episode, you gotta bring up Tool. <laughs> I'm gonna see them in June, dude. I'm so psyched. I've been oh. watching a, a few videos... They're still good. They're, they must be like sixty now at this point. Are you gonna Are you gonna see at the drive-in? Are you gonna buy tickets for their shows? Bro, I saw them at Philly, and I was there for the New York show. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, I understand what they're doing. I understand what they're doing. I understand what they're doing. <laughs> you know, kind of like a meditation. So, so I'm just staying home. For so, this do one. you guys think? Do you guys think that the '80s will ever end? Because it's not just Omar doing these '80s synths and sounds. It seems like it, it, like the 2010s, early 2010s, there was a kind of uh, explosion of the synth pop. And I thought, oh, it's just a phase for a year, and it'll be the next. But then it seems that it's just been the 80s ever since then. It's definitely, just kind of a, it's definitely, there's definitely a large appreciation for it. And I think part of it is with the prevalence of how, of how easy it's now to become a home producer and like make your own music at home. And you don't have to buy like these because I think part of what the '80s it died out just because it was a phase, and also because those synthesizers were three thousand dollars synthesizers like mainstream artists were using. You, you couldn't afford those, and so now you can almost recreate very similar sounds with a pirated. Yeah, there was a backlash against it by playing in your garage with a couple of cheap amps and your guitars, right? So against this overly produced pop mainstream music, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's easy to make poppy, shiny music in your basement. So a lot of people are doing that because oh, that's cool. It's, of I don't know. Do you think it just took some time to get over that hurdle? That sort of like I don't like it because it's the Titanic kind of thing. But then eventually you're like, oh, it's a classic of cinema. I, I think eventually we'll get. I don't know if we'll revert back to like guitars and drums and stuff. I think there will be there's something like waiting in the future for us. Um, I know there's cycles and loops in like music. Paths, yeah, do you think but... there'll be a new instrument beyond the synthesizer? It's almost like just that's. I mean, there wasn't any new instruments for a long time before that. I really, but... I really hope that like. Guitars connected, like used as MIDI controllers, is going to be the next thing. Like, like what? Well, no, like, so, like, the, the synthesizer keyboard, the, uh, the, 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 
like when I listen to so, like some of my favorite musicians, like will connect their guitars to computers and like to make some really really strange stuff. Like Adrian Ballou does it, or Tony Levitt does it with, with his Chapman stick. So I think you're going to see some cool hybrid, sort of like hybrid combining analog with analog instruments with electronics. And I think it's going to make some like you're just going to start hitting this point where the possibilities of different sounds are just going to be en- just purely endless. Hopefully. So would you guys? I have, I, oh, go ahead. I've, I played with this guy once who was like from I don't know, Portugal or Brazil, I don't know, but something. And he was like in the area and wanted to jam on like Craigslist, so we invited him over. And it was pretty cool. We played bass, but had this really cool idea of wanting to plug a microphone into the kick drum and then run it into a synthesizer to play a sample at different random notes or something. And I'm just like, that's awesome. We never did it, but one day. <laughs> So would you guys recommend a Lovejoy to to our listeners? I feel like yeah, yeah, I mean I would definitely recommend it. I this is this is the first album of this half of the series and right so far? Yes, this was this, 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 this is the first one of part 2. And like I really really like this series a lot, especially starting with these two albums. I mean it's like I really like these two albums. I like Roman Lips way more, so I'm not I'm going to hold back on my enthusiasm, but I'm going to give it a full thumbs up. What do you yeah, think? I agree. I agree with you. I like this one. I love uh, the whole vibe of it. The whole, uh, like you said, video games almost. Like he's just, he's... Like his he version of playing video games. Like he's they're always complaining right. about people who just sit he around and He didn't have to release these albums. He could have locked them away and they would be part of his process. No one would ever hear but he probably thought it was valuable that people could get this window into his musical mind. So he's just releasing everything. Yeah, definitely. And I would, I would, um, you know, I always go back and forth on this one. I always kind of forget chunks of it, but then I go back to it and I'm like, I love, I'm not super huge on this, on the song track, the, the tracks of vocals. I think they're, they're not the strongest compared to other stuff, but then, the the weird ambient instrumentals in the middle I think are really cool and then you have that big song at the end that's just he, there is no parallel to in his release that like compares to it so I think like just for that alone you need to listen to the album just to kind of to be able to appreciate that and see just like this like big epic track that's all just composed of like electronic music and synthesizers and and maybe like maybe some D'Antoni Parks drumming. But like that, you don't. Not every not every song you make on FL Studio or Ableton has to be three minutes with a verse, chorus, verse, hook. Oh yeah, chorus. that's a good point. That almost all of these tracks are like under. I mean, not all of them, but a lot of them are under two minutes, and yep. they blend together or they're produced to have a nice ending and intro. They go into each other in a nice way. And then that last one is just like, nope, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> let's let, let's go into uh, the next release. Well, Roman Lips was the second the second album to be released of this second twelve album set. Um, as far as this second set of albums go, I think it might be my favorite. I love it. It's got like a pop punk feel. Like the the guitars have a there's a lot more guitar, a lot more or, uh, acoustic drum. But the but then the bass is almost. I think if I'm not mistaken, there's a lot of synth bass being used. So it's this hybrid of electronics and analog instruments, and it makes for a really funky sound. I also just I can't explain why, but I love this album cover. It's just so quirky looking. I just like two people going headfirst into a sleeping bag or something. I don't know what they're doing, <laughs> but 
<laughs> I will. I'll get into detail. I'll get into specifics in a second. Um, Armando, you went first last time. Uh, Huru, first impressions of Roman Lips. Yeah, I've got a few things to say about this one. Uh, I agree with you that the cover art is almost like a classic album from 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 wherever, from whenever. It just it's got that. It's an ass. Okay, it's a pass. <laughs> <laughs> It has a bit but of a two-sided ass. It has a bit of like a psychedelic '60s album kind of vibe. I like what yes. you said about two. I, I imagine it might be two beings going into an amorphous space to connect. You got Roman lips, so Roman is like the ancient. That's what all societies re- emulate the Romans to bring back culture, civilization. So it's like eternity. It's like two beings dipping into the eternal union to kiss. Oh shit! I thought it's kind of like cat dog. You know, cat dog. <laughs> It's cat dog in reverse. <laughs> Best transition ever. <laughs> but this this album, some things I thought of this album is sexy. Like it's uh, it's very grimy, sexy. Uh, that you're to bring the eighties back again. That you're. Uh, you're going. It's almost a grimy '80s movie soundtrack. Oh yeah, there's a lot of leather jackets and chaps and shit. Midnight, Midnight Cinemax movie, and uh, they they pick up a, they pick up a woman, take her to the apartment, and w- one of them's a vampire, and that's there'd be these songs playing all throughout it. So that's I also thought of Goldeneye, the the video game Goldeneye. But, yeah, I guess yeah, I could see that for some of these, tra- oh, especially, yeah. especially like Deadlight. Yeah, Deadlight has a very bass. golden eye. Like, like you're, it's almost like they're playing chords on the synth bass. It's like a, it's like a cool clashing thing, a note reverberation thing. You know i like when you play two notes at the same time, it makes like a chord sound. So instead of the bass being a singular note, you've got this like chord going on in the bass. So it's like, you know. Okay, sorry. Who's the singer on this? Is that Cedric? That's Omar. That's all Omar. Yeah. He's been singing on be Cedric. He should be singing this crazy shit. Well, he needs time to write. I mean, I, some people do. Some people do. I like the Grizzly because Omar's not like. I mean, he's he's a competent singer, but he's definitely not like an A plus singer. And I I think like that Grizzliness adds to like it has a bit of like a garage rock sound. Like you can you can imagine Omar in like a like a faux leather jacket just doing some doing some riffs, especially on that opening song. Just that that and he's just kind of sitting. That's a great. It's like an oldies. It's like the fifties meets the eighties and the future all at once. It's like this, like another fusion. But especially that, like, it's like the the rock antithesis of the eighties. It's like what people, like, you know, Motorhead and shit were doing while this electronic revolution was going on. Yeah, and it's like he's tapping into that that where they were channeling that that grimy fifties like where playing rock and roll was basically just a symbol of sex and liberation. So they were just, like, going to dance halls to, to flirt. So they'd play rock and roll, which had, like, a groove to it so you could move your hips. And it's, like, essentially, and then they play with loud bass. And essentially, yeah, like the, yeah, about that, comma, about that. <laughs> but it's just, you know, it's a lot of things going in together. They just got real cerebral real fast. It's good. It's very upbeat. Like you said, it's almost like a happy album. It's very upbeat. And I feel like this is his most well-produced rock album today. Most like it's, it, there's a lot of that weird chord stuff in the bass, but it's still very 
harmonious and and like uh, I don't actually there's a lot of like crazy Bob Dylan esque vocals. There's been a lot of discussion about that people on the coma saying like it's just weird because to me this album is like one of his most well produced, well written and sung songwriting as a singer kind of albums. And yeah. people are taking the exact opposite, saying like it's their least favorite. And I'm, I'm like, what? Yeah, I, I don't was, understand that. I was surprised <laughs> by the initial impression that the initial impression was very lukewarm. I thought this, like, I just thought these songs were so cool. And I also thought it was just a huge breath of fresh air because we weren't getting a lot of guitar oriented songs. And not that he needs to be guitar oriented all the time, but it was just nice to have like, you know, we have all these more synth oriented albums and all of a sudden we get some big chunky riffs and. Mm-hmm. D'Antoni on the drums is just putting down some like less D, like less typical D'Antoni grooves. He just putting down like solid, solid rock grooves. So it was just like a nice change of pace, and it had that like punkiness to it. But then that future, that future sound too, like rockability meets yeah. two thousand. A lot of that Omar Odyssey. stuff sneaks in there. Yes, that, like, exactly. That weird dissonant weirdness that he likes to do. Some of these songs, if you were to pull them out of this album and listen to them on their own, you'd think it was coming off of his Apple Pan or something. But when you have a song like Roman Lips starting it out and and then you have like, you know, Still Nobody's and An Informal Youth, which is like straight up a Susie and the Banshees song. Not literally, but I mean, it, 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 you could pass it for maybe, yeah, you know, definitely. if you like someone. Yeah, so it's like, it gives the overall impression of this album that just has a few weird tracks. And the thing is, the weird tracks aren't as weird and hard to listen to as the other stuff. They're more like kind of bluesy where, yeah, the singer's wailing off, but it's cool because you got this like, you know, it's more or less understandable. It's really not as, like, I, I don't know. I think the vocals are, I think you have to pay attention to the vocals is the thing. If you try to just let it be typical background song music, it's a little bit too too well written, if you will, too complex for that easy listening thing. You have to kind of pay attention and realize that he's singing a harmony to the main thing, and that harmony is actually kind of complex. It's not just the first thing you'd think of as Omar. So if you pay attention, it's like, yeah, it's in key. It's really good. It's just... You know, it's definitely not what you were expecting. It might be even be in a totally different rhythm to everything else in the song, but it's probably because he wrote it in a way where it matches what the root, you know, notes and rhythm are. So that's how music works. You know, he's an experimenter. What do you think of uh, this uh, fucking album, Haru? Musically, yeah. I'm looking at the uh, the track listings. There's a lot of tracks on this fucking one. Do you know how he comes up with the track names? Is it just random bullshit? I think it's impulse, so I don't. It might be a mixture of artistic intention and t- total randomness. It's blended together, so you can't tell. So maybe sometimes it's deep and thought provoking, but it's actually random, and sometimes it seems random, but it's actually. Do you think that like Cedric is uh, is uh, in his office when Omar releases these, and he's like, "Fuck these! He should get me to sing them." Like, like he's jealous almost. Do you think that they're kind of like? I, th- uh, I think I always thought that ORL was a great. Was originally the intention was to like not ORL, but his original side project albums were the fact that he's just a creative beast and he puts out like twelve albums a year, no matter what you're gonna do. And it's like, well, I mean, normal person's not gonna like be able to write an album's worth of lyrics. Turns out Omar can also do that. That's cool. And Cedric, Let him do it. Cedric mostly yeah. hops on the the greatest hit stuff. He's like, these these are my favorites. I'll sing on these. Yeah, that's what how both was working. Yeah, and I think also like he do, he doesn't want to sing someone else's lyrics. So I think if someone were to hand him like, "Hey, sing these songs," he would go, "No, I would. I'm gonna I'm gonna sing them whatever I, I think don't know of." About that. that would be sick to have him just do like sit down for a day and just learn the song, sing the song, and just maybe spend some time and do like maybe a greatest hits of these albums 
That would be pretty cool. Right. Maybe they did. Maybe that's what happened when they reunited, and then they're like, okay, we're done. Let's close the vault. <laughs> Keep everyone out. I want one thing. You mentioned the the little bits of Omar weirdness, which I really want to emphasize real quick, and there's so many cool little moments that are just those those little touches that make them make the songs really special. Like one of my thing, one of my favorite parts of this album. It's a tiny, tiny little thing, but it's in the song "Deadlight," and it's got that it's got a really chunky riff, and then the snare it has like, it's got this very quick like snare. But if you listen to it, it slightly changes the sound of it, not just the volume, but the sound of it slightly changes as it progresses. So it's it uh and it's these tiny little moments like when you catch him, you're like, oh, that's really clever like where first sounds like a hi-hat but then almost sounds like he's clanging on a bottle by the end of the sequence and you have those little moments that just make the songs extra special where not maybe i don't know if every other artist would would put in those tiny little minute details because they are minute details but they add to something they add to the overall experience i don't know if any of you notice things like that omar omar and cedric are so incredibly underrated they should have gone 10x platinum every album. They should have been heralded as the modern Led Zeppelin of this era. I, I just can't believe what a raw deal they got well, with their masterpieces. It's, I mean, I would say yes and no because I mean to be like at the their their stuff. I think oh is gonna be like really especially omar his stuff's gonna be really big later in life when he's in his 50s and 60s is when people are all of a sudden go oh shit that was a thing um yeah but also but also like i mean relationship of command got a lot of hot press delouse got a lot of hot press francis to an extent bedlam to an extent so like they definitely do get they definitely do get attention but I think Volta was their biggest band, to be honest. Oh, but pro- oh. sort of like they hit a wall with how popular it could get. No, they, they, they definitely hit, hit a wall. They hit the, yeah, because people originally hopped on because they're like, oh, it's like metal prog. It sounds like uh... well, the whole psych prog rock genre in general. They got the fan base, and then that's it. You know, there wasn't any exposing it to a wider audience at that point. They got it. That was it. That was the audience capped. You know, like they got that subset of the population, and it's not the biggest one. Yeah, it's 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 they were playing music that as great as it is, it has a limited audience just because of uh, you know what popular music is. Like you're not you can't play Cassandra Gemini at the bar. I mean, you could. You're probably going to really upset a lot of people. <laughs> I just feel the dad the dad rock audience should have embraced it more. The uh, the ones who grew up on Pink Floyd and Rolling Stones. Yeah, but oh, both I, is just a little bit too punk rock abrasive, young for that kind of ear but know? i will say like almost anytime i played omar or mars volta at least the studio albums for like my like my parents they would always be like oh this sounds pretty cool it reminds me of yeah. led zeppelin or pink floyd they they if you play them cicatrices or something it's like oh wow yeah yeah like my mom nice. my mom listened to deloust and genuinely enjoyed it she thought she she thought it was really really cool um my dad enjoyed some of like the the jazzier omar solo albums like he he Though, but then, like, he heard me listening to, like, one of their live albums, and he's like, he's like, who is that tone-deaf guy that can't sing? He's terrible. <laughs> what so, show was it? Do you remember? Oh, I don't... I, it was, like, a 2012 show. I think it was, like, the... That music festival that they li- that was... That got live-streamed on, that Heineken show in Poland or something. Oh, Poland. Volta? 
like Heineken Opener Festival or something. It was like near for the Volta end. Or at the drive-in. Oh, range. Volta for Volta. No, they wouldn't like at the drive-in. It's too much. Yeah. Well, I sometimes go to a forum for fans of the band Yes. And these are fans from all the way from the 70s. They're the hippies. And they're like a small, tight-knit group like the coma, except for except, uh, geriatric coma. <laughs> so, well, we're soon dead in they're, they're all like, uh, they're all like, fuck uh, Benoit Davis. Uh, John Anderson should be a singer again. <laughs> it's all the same stuff that everyone debates on Mars Walter, except Dad Rock, yes. Oh, I, I can relate because I'm part of a King Crimson Facebook group and it's just like the most pedantic <laughs> arguing. And it's just like every like every other day there's a fight about is Lizard a good album? No, it's not a good album. Yeah, it is. You just don't appreciate it. Fuck you. Fuck you. Coma used to be that spirited, but now it's just like five or six people making the same jokes every day. Yeah, this is like a, cool. this is a collection like a of thing. this is a collection of middle-aged men that are just like nitpicking over but it is cool though, and I'm kind of excited for being an older fan because there'll be like stuff where like they're posting ticket stubs from the '70s. They're like, oh, I remember 50 years ago, 40 years ago, I went to see King Crimson for the first time, and oh man, it was so cool, and blah 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 blah. And I, I can't wait to be like 50. I, like, I saw Nocturnica. You know, it was too soon for a reunion. Yeah, you know, you gotta, you do have to sort of give it a, a five or ten years for something that epic to gestate and develop. You know, it'll be the same thing. But it'll be completely unexpected in that way that it's universal, where you can say, like, oh, this sounds just like the Mars Volta, but there's no way you could even guess at what the first instrument is going to be that you hear. But yeah. when you hear that freaking sitar or didgeridoo or whatever the fuck, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, it's a Volta album. <laughs> it's true. Um, I want to comment real quick. Uh, Still Nobodies, as much as I liked the song, it did feel a little cheap that it was very, very similar to the Lovejoy version, and we had gotten it just the album before. Cheap, this cheap thing. I like this version a lot more. I think it's the better version. And I think, like, I don't even really listen to Nobodies when it comes up. I skip it. I'll, I just I just kind of, like, I, I just listened to Roman Lips before listening to a Lovejoy most of the time. It's like, you know, back-to-back. Back. Anyway, so, Still Nobodies does it for me. I really like that size to do it. It's like the... The way to write that song, done well. Nobody sounds more like kind of like the grogier, more experimental and a little bit dissonant version. I don't know what's going on with that element. But it definitely isn't as like refined and pretty and produced, which I think that song calls for. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only other song, the only song on the album too, I wasn't a huge fan of was "To Need Something." I I like the instrumental of it from Weekly Mansions a little bit better. I didn't think the vocals added a whole lot to it. Not not a huge dislike, but it was just kind of like, eh, shrug, polite shrug. Yeah, I really like Informal Youth. I think that's an amazing track. It's really, not amazing, but it's, I well, as far as catchy hooks go, it's amazing in that sense that it's, it's very abstract guitar riff. It's very refined for what it is. Right. And just it's like a whole full long measure long, but it's like you could repeat it note for note like after two listens easily. And it's a really short song. It's just like perfect. Two twenty three. Just just all of these are like that. These two albums are like hook, hook, hook. Oh here's a little bit of a change up. 
Bye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a really cool way because you have 14 tracks and it flows like just really. I don't really. I don't know any of these song titles to be honest. There's, it goes so quickly through them that it's just like, yeah, that's a great album. It's just. But if I were to pick any one of them out, I'd be like, oh, that's on here. Whoa, yeah, that's right. It does sound sort of like a spaceship landing. And then there's <laughs> another one that's like, oh, yeah, that that's on here. Uh, I guess. But if you listen to it all the way through, it's just a really good Omar album, hitting all the right notes. When the, the when the album first came out, there was a lot of compl- I read a lot of cr- criticism that the songs are too short, but I think it's uh, a plus to the album because everything just sort of like it punches you, and then it's like, all right, I'm good. See you, see you later. This see this one, unlike other Omar albums, this one actually is individual songs. Like yes. all the other ones are like broken up tracks, like you would see a Cassandra style, where they're like tracks one through five are one song. Even a Lovejoy is like that to a degree. I think yeah. some of them. <laughs> but, but this one is like. 14 different hooks each song here is each song here is clearly its own song yeah each track here is clearly its own song yeah so yeah which is different way different for him and then you have that good and then you have that awesome closer fish tank which um has like a crowd i was about to say it's got that motoric uh bass drum like that 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 three bass three bass and you're like i always say crowd rock and apparently it's wrong that was a time period of music that encompassed a lot of different genres it was very so i'm thinking more like can well no you're you're right because that was a very it was used a lot in in that that area of german music they call it like the motoric drumming where it's that driving like and you're like yeah motoric drumming that should just call it that yeah where you just want to drive fast on the highway yeah exactly just going the same speed flat 80 constantly um yeah what about songs on this album who really thinks stand out yeah i really liked uh Upon Golden Ice. Yeah. That is a very, like, quintessentially Omari, like, weird sci-fi sounds kind of track, but done really nicely. Very catchy. Not to beat, not to beat it into the ground, but uh, I heard that if you chew up a... Uh, some, some pills are neutralized by your intestines at a little more rapid pace. Uh, coin leaf, desmodium, aerial parts... I would chew up a multivitamin, and then similar to the uh, diet, what is it, Diet Pepsi and uh, Mentos, you chew up those Desmond Ariel parts and take a big swig of Sprite, and you have a spiritual reaction in your pineal gland, and that's <laughs> that's how upon golden ice. Felt to me very similar to when I would chew up these multivitamins. You have a blast of vitamins to your brain. That's beautiful. Yeah, I'm on the forefront of all the new ways to ingest. Oh, have you tried um? Uh, what's it fucking called? Like morning glory seeds, the uh, UFOs or whatever. Blue, blue something, blue morning. <laughs> no, what's that? Yeah, you know, morning gl- glory, like the flower. You can get ALSA out of it if you, like, break the shell down somehow. And all the methods of breaking the shell down are, like, really, really horrible. Like, soak it in, <laughs> soak it in Clorox for 12 hours and then let it dry in the sun until you're ready to take <laughs> No, I don't think so. <laughs> People are on it. They're figuring all this shit out. Like, who, whoever whoever figured out. Okay, wait. I got something for you. To cook stuff. I've been reading this kick-ass book doing research for my video game. It's called the, I forget what it's called, but it's basically the history of magic. I think that's the name of it. 
or the science of magic, the magic science. So the idea is that in history and all these mythological legends, that was really just historical or an ancient way of teaching people proper things is the theory that things like Oedipus and all his travels against all these beasts are just allegories to be easily remembered. Uh, so an ex- concrete example is that he uh, has dinner with the god of magic's daughter, but before he goes, he's warned that he can take this flower, which has a milky white leaf and a dark root, and uh, and if he if he consumes it, he'll be protected from her petrifying gaze, and so he does so and whatnot. And then, like you know, recently in modern times, they discovered in some village in Africa or somewhere, please don't quote me on that, that they did discover that they were using this flower, a white flower with a dark root, unbeknownst to them that it was Oedipal in origins, that it uh, basically to stem off uh, like the paralysis of uh, Parkinson's disease, I think, in like this small village they were just happened to be taking it and was working, and so that's where the cure for something came from, whether it was a remedy or a medicine people take for that is... Uh, actually what Oedipus was being, you know, was being told to take and what people would be learning that. So the theory goes that, you know, just like technology to any uh, uneducated person is indiscernible for magic, so too are all of these stories of magic indiscernible to us from technology. And that really, well, you're is, just looking at ancient knowledge. That this is the chaos, chaos theory at work. This is mathematics. The infinite variables, the uh, billions population over centuries. You know, if you break it down to math, how many variables and possibilities are clashing together? How many? And so much of modern understanding came through just sheer randomness. And the more uh, this trajectory of the population and the infinite variables opening from the internet, it's a chart that's ascending the the higher you go the more of this randomness clashes and who knows what the hell we're discovering that doesn't have a clear model yet that's very interesting this the the bubonic plague you said (laughs) well no actually but what relates i think one last little thing here is a philip k dick said that uh something along the lines of all of this meta stuff that, or what meta was to him, is basically, or no, that, that basically you would see things happening. Like for example, nowadays in 2015, you'd see hoverboards and shit, and like you know shoes that lace themselves, for example. But it's because the people that created those things are having sort of a Nostradamus-like vision because of the fractal nature of the universe. So they're these creative, these absurd notions that come to us as artists are actually legitimately glimpses into the future but there's no way for us to be able to discern what the fuck we're looking at so we just sort of jot it down and project it and then years later someone's like oh yeah i was sitting in that position on a bus once any closing thoughts on the sound before we uh go- get to oh it's my favorite i really like this one yeah until until the next few come out <laughs> which we don't know anything about yet technically at the time of this writing but yeah. I really like this one a lot it's classic rock oldies style with a little 80s Omar weirdness highly produced Bob Dylan-esque vocals so don't listen to it if you don't have taste oh I That's said a, it there's a solid recommendation there 
Huru, would you recommend Roman Lips? Yes, I would. I would just go down on Rate Your Music, and I just give all these Omar solos three out of five <laughs> because I want the uh, I want the full Mars Volta. Yeah. <laughs> you want it, you want it, like it's good, that. but it's I want you to give me Mars Volta instead. Yes, uh, John. John, give me this. But can you get more money behind it? Yeah, all right. Thanks. Well, whenever whenever they drop the 24 vinyl box set, I'm going to be first in line to buy that shit. Even if it requires me buying, like, a skateboard deck and an effect pedal <laughs> and designer socks. They legit have that for at the time. You know all of that is basically the the, the secret Mars Volta GoFundMe fund. It's, it's, their, it's their fucking <laughs> garage sale is what it is. <laughs> Like I, I told, I, I'm not opposed to it. I don't. I'm not opposed. Wait, to it. I listen, want, like, but you have a reverb pedal designed by Omar, and people are making fun of this shit. A reverb pedal, a legit, legitimate reverb pedal, and a legit skateboard deck designed by Cedric. Like Cedric, Cedric. <laughs> it's the mix, It's when Cedric is fucking hell. Cedric, Cedric fills in for Skindred. And he's it's Cedric, Skendrick. It's unavoidable. That's his new hacks or nickname. Yeah. Um, I would recommend this one as well, and like Armando said, uh, I would co-sign one of my favorites of out of so far all the albums we've had released so far. One easily one of my favorites. I think just some really fun, catchy songs, stuff you can put on a mixtape to give to your your girlfriend or boyfriend or significant other, and they'd be like, "Oh, that's a cool song." You'd be like, "Fuck yeah!" His name is Omar, and the album has got two butts on it. Not one, but two. <laughs> So, um, Armando, th- uh, well, let's do some quick plugs. Armando, you have a, you have a film that's out on Amazon video. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, man. Like if I can sold my movie, man, these people are great. And it's on Amazon prime in the U S the UK, Japan and Germany with a few more countries to come. Maybe by the time this gets out, they'll be on there yet. So check it out. It's my movie. I talk about it a lot on here. Neil did some music on it. Guru helped me out a lot with revisionizing things and talking about it and stuff. So he's really cool. <laughs> and so that, and, and what is the name of that film? You know, maybe. If oh, want... engrams. So you he... know that that word that Cedric used a lot on Nocturnicat, and I never realized probably because he just subconsciously got in there. I was gonna call it a want of nothings. That was my go-to title for things. It's like a Woody Allen esque. It was a play on words, sort of. But people were just like, "That sounds like a boring movie." So I'm like, fine, engrams it is. So okay, look it up. And then Huru, your your film, Amy in a Cage, in the cage or in a cage? In a, yeah. In, go in, to Huru HuruJackson.com, and then you'll learn about it. H- the movie Ar- Armando was the first AD. We made it. We were on the set for thirty days, and we directed a crew of thirty people. I mean, it's, the movie itself is crazy. It's uh, uh, a Hulu Jackson trip. <laughs> That's what it's called, a Hulu Jackson trip. I love it. Well, thanks both of you guys for joining. Uh, listeners, tune in next time where myself and some con- assor- assortment of people will be discussing uh, the the next two releases, Zen Thrills and Chocolate Tumor Hormone Parade. Thanks, guys, for, for helping me review these. <laughs> that wasn't a joke. That wasn't a joke. That's the real album title. Yeah. Uh, but th- thanks, guys, for helping me uh, help record this episode. Yeah. Thanks.